0: This is Straight Ahead with the 606 Club of London and David Lewis.
1: Welcome to this week's Straight Ahead with me David Lewis and London's leading music venue, the 606 Club of Chelsea. So opening the account for us this week was a track written by Sam Cooke, recorded at the famed Atlantic Recording Studios and uh, the voice of Aretha Franklin with Bring It On Home To Me. Our guest on the show this week is singer and trumpeter Georgina Jackson and we'll be hearing the first part of that interview in around about a half an hour's time. But let's carry on now with some James Brown. This is an album where he was uh, on with a big band and the track we've got lined up for you is Every Day I Have The Blues.
2: Don't be crying, you should be, Oh, every day, every day, I have the blue oh, oh, every day, na, 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 I have the blue yes you little girl, I hate to, yeah, come on, come on.
1: Brown, as you possibly never heard him before there with the Louis Belson big band and the number was arranged by Oliver Nelson loads of great music to come both old and new we've got something new coming up from Jessica Lauren Four in the second hour of the show we've got some new music also from Aubrey Johnson and a track from a Carl Eastwood album from a few years ago and some of the standards as well from the likes of uh, George Benson and Sarah Vaughan. Next we've got a track that you might well recognize the original version. It was uh, written by Benny Golson and we played the Benny Golson track a few times, but here we're going back to the 1969 album from Quincy Jones. His set was called Walking in Space and it's the famous track Killer Joe. swinging version of Killer Joe thereby Quincy Jones recorded and engineered by Rudy Van Gelder so it's that part of the show where we're going to do Buddy's Pip, going to one of my favourite albums the Raw of 74 album, we've got features on this particular track from Trombomen Al Caplin and Keith O'Quinn and from the sax section you've got Bob Creer and Pat LaBarbara and we're going to be listening to Senator Sam his bit this week was Senator Sam. So one of the men that was uh, never afraid to stand still and was always looking to move with the times, Donald Byrd. And we've played obviously many, many tracks from Donald Byrd on Straight Ahead over the years, but this is going to one of his slightly later albums actually, just as he was beginning to be thinking about experimenting with jazz funk. This is from the Blackbird album from 1972, and we've got lined up, ready to play now. Where are we going? going. Next to play is New York based vocalist, composer and educator Aubrey Johnson. She's got a brand new album out and from that we're playing the title track Unraveled. first of all the title track from the brand new Aubrey Johnson album called Unraveled and we followed that up with a track from Kyle Eastwood one of his albums from a few years ago now 1988 with Plas Johnson on the tenor and the vocals did you recognise them? the vocals were by Joni Mitchell come to that part of the show now where it is time we meet our guest for the week Georgina Jackson we're going to start off the interview with one of her tracks called More if you want to know what's happening at the 6 check out the website at 606club.co.uk <music>
3: the love I give to you alone more than the simple way? But far beyond forever, you're going to be mine. I know I've never lived before, and my heart is very sure no one else could love you more.
1: with pleasure that we now introduce our guest for the show this week Georgina Jackson Georgina hello and welcome
4: nice to see you I'm-
1: yes indeed well it's just great to catch up with you and obviously being a musician that plays regularly at the six in normal times it's wonderful to get you on the show and just have a chat about you and your career and what you're up to and how the current lockdown has affected you but we'll get to that in just a little while so while well, was doing some research on you it sounds like a uh, music and big band and jazz was a big part of your early life. So I'm guessing your folks maybe had records around the house. Was that your first introduction?
4: Um, it's strange, really. My mum's a teacher and my dad was a builder, so there's absolutely nothing musical at all in my background. My dad can't even whistle
1: in tune. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a builder and he can't whistle.
4: <laughs> oh, that's interesting. He should be practising whistling, didn't he? <laughs> Actually, he does whistle, but it's the same thing over <laughs> and over down with no tune. But, then, <laughs> but then one of my earliest memories was going to ASDA with a record token. And uh, the record token was oh, going back now, out.
1: aren't you?
4: <laughs> a long time ago. Record token. And the mum picked up two albums and the one I wanted was a uh, Beatrix Potter. The Stories with Beatrix Potter, read by Wendy Craig. I really wanted that one. And the one my mum wanted looked terribly boring because it was like a black and white cover with this man stood in the middle with a microphone. I thought, oh, why would you want to listen to that when you can listen to Wendy Craig, you know? And lo and behold, <laughs> the album was Frank Sinatra, the main event.
1: Ah, uh, the live <clears throat> recording.
4: The live recording. So yeah. I remember feeling quite naughty one day, you know, off from school and thinking, I'm going to listen to that black and white albums and be really boring and i think i put it on the turntable and was just absolutely transfixed and just kept listening to it over and over again so i think that's my earliest memory of, of big bands really yeah
1: and so did that is it that that tempted you into the idea of picking up an instrument um, you're saying that neither of your parents were musical or musicians but how did you first get into playing an instrument And what was the first instrument was it develop piano lessons
4: um, yeah, I did have the lessons for a bit actually, but um, Wigan, where I grew up, I'm very proud to be from Wigan, had an amazing music service that was all funded by the government and the council at the time. So we were offered free instrument lessons and of actual free instruments to take home for the, the duration that we were pre- uh, learning. And I was in maths lesson one day and I hated maths and somebody <laughs> came in and said, who'd like to learn the trumpets? And I just put my hand up to stop, you know, to get out yeah, of maths. maths. Yeah, basically. And uh, it's a yeah, valid reason as any. <laughs> it's <laughs> a good reason as any. And um, we all sat around in this circle while somebody passed a cornet round. Yeah. And it was basically whoever made the least worst noise
1: <laughs> got to take got- it out. And that was you. And with me, so you were the least worse. We have the least worst structure from Wigan on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
4: gonna put that with that. <laughs>
1: that's quite, yeah, it's quite a strap line, isn't it? If yeah. that doesn't get you some gigs, I don't know what will. <laughs> so, when did you begin to take it seriously? Then, when did you presumably you then started taking lessons once you realized you could make the least worse sound and were yeah. adapted it? You began taking lessons.
4: I did. I had lessons then at school and then private lessons. And, um, Wigan was very, very big on, um, on, on bands and big bands at the time. And so there was a, a, quite a, a selection of bands to join. There was a youth swing band and then a youth jazz orchestra and there was a youth orchestra. There was all these places that you could go mm. and make music with people on a Saturday morning and a Monday evening. It was amazing. So at nine or 10 years old, I got into my first big band and, uh, And I think when you do something at that age and you're looking up at the older people and thinking, I want to be like that. I want Mm -hmm. to play like that. Mm -hmm. So that really got me very, very interested. And from then on, really, from the age of 11, that was all I could think about was playing the trumpet, really.
1: Those county bands really are a breeding ground, aren't they? They're great around the country. So, so good.
4: Absolutely. Amazing. And the people that run them. Now, because of the lack of funding, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people are running them voluntarily. You know, and uh, it's it's quite amazing because it, we we can't lose those because they, they're just so many musicians and so many music fans and music teachers and have come from that environment. Absolutely,
1: and, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So you said you were a proud Wigan lass. Um, yeah. You ended up at university in Salford or Manchester, I believe.
4: Salford, yeah. There you I go. Did.
1: I've done my research. <laughs> <laughs> and was I
4: not it... travel too far, really? No, exactly.
1: <laughs> it makes it easier to get home and get the washing done, I suppose. And uh, was it a music degree or a jazz degree or a production degree? What did you actually do at, at Salford? I uh, signed up to
4: do a business studies degree at first. Okay.
1: Well, it's wrong yeah. with all yeah. the above then. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> but you're all right, And I did two weeks. Uh, at business studies but during that time I would nip over to the music block and see them all having such fun and I was thinking why am I sitting here doing business studies so I transferred and I did the band musicianship degree at Selfage yes
1: and is, is that a practical is that where you actually get a lot of time to play and to blow and is it a practical yeah, musical degree
4: yeah you're right actually there was a big band there and, and lots of opportunities for playing and there was an academic side though because it was a BA
1: mm-hmm. so
4: um, we had to be a honours. We had to do lots of essays and lots of music writing and uh, dissertation and things like that. So it was a good, it was quite a good academic course, really. Was that a three
1: year course you were on?
4: It was three years, yeah. yeah.
1: So toward the end of that, obviously uh, you were then a, a qualified and a very adept musician. Had you decided that there was going to be a move to London that was going to be the next stage? Where did your musical career develop from there?
4: Well, before I went to university, because I went when I was a a mature student, because I was 21, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) so I'd worked before then as a professional musician, then gone to university, so after that I worked as a trumpet player, I did lots of touring
1: shows. um, Oh, it's theatre kind of shows, that sort of thing? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. theatre
4: kind of shows, and with a big band called the Andy Pryor Orchestra, and at that time, in the 90s, we were touring, we had like 300 gigs a year, so it was almost yeah, it was like a full-time job, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's
1: like the old days. That's like the 50s, that many gigs, isn't it? It
4: really was. I mean, we didn't realise how lucky we were at the time. Literally, I had a full-time job playing lead trumpet in a big band and that just that just doesn't happen anymore. And mm. that happened to me for a good three or four years. Um, so I, I was ecstatic and I, I just, you know, didn't know what else to do. But when that was kind of coming to an end... I decided that I um, wanted to be a primary school teacher because I didn't want to move to London. I didn't fancy that at all. I didn't want to be uh, in amongst all of the hustle and bustle. And I just hated the idea of being in London. Mm-hmm. I trained to be a primary school teacher. And I did that for quite a
1: few years. I wasn't aware of that, actually. I didn't know you'd ever deviated I, from being a full time musician. <laughs> One could say the pay level is probably between teachers and musicians. <laughs> There's not a yeah. of great deal difference between them, oftentimes, is there? Oh. But just as a slight side question, have you ever found any elements of sexism in the music industry?
4: I, I did. And uh, I think this was quite a long, a long time ago. I mean, things have changed an awful lot since the mid 90s. You know, I'd have things. Um, if I was offered a particular job, if a, if a man had asked me to go in debt for him, mm-hmm. the band leader didn't know what sex the debt was going to be, so I turned up, and uh, they kind of say, "Oh, what do, what are you what are you doing here? Are you someone's girlfriend?" I was like, "Oh, I'm, a, I'm I've come to death, I've come to play trumpet." Oh, have you? Well,
1: a pretty uh, blonde woman playing okay. trumpet, really? Yeah.
4: <laughs> and then if it was on the on the first trumpet chair, they would kind of say, "Oh, well, I don't really think." <laughs> Um, cr- I think you should play fourth. And I'd be kind of there going, right, you've not even heard me play. It's and criminal, be- isn't
5: <laughs> it? It's <laughs> criminal.
4: And things like uh, if someone offered me a job in a band, it would be, oh, I don't really want to book a woman because they have these funny weeks every month. Oh, and so, no. Yeah. So there was a lot of that. And it was kind of, I, just, I actually just accepted it and thought, well, it's really unfair, but there's nothing I can do about it. You know, it's just. You that just last
1: statement of yours, I can't believe anyone would ever say that to a professional musician. But we yeah. have these odd weeks and they can't play. It's yeah. like...
4: <laughs> I mean, he was He was old school. You know, he was mm. very old school, but I had to just accept that. And then there was lots of circumstances where you couldn't uh, be booked because of the room sharing situation. So if it's on tour, it was yeah. like, well, we can't really have a girl because we we have rooms in twos. So... You know, unless you want yeah. to share with a hand,
1: you can't do the gig. So, Thankfully, you say times have changed some, though.
4: Yeah, I think they have, yeah.
1: So your time as a teacher, I take it wasn't that long spent before you went back to the musical world?
4: No, it wasn't. It was about, it was about three years. Three and what, years. what
1: drew you back toward it then, just missing it?
4: I really did miss it, yeah. I got to the point where even listening to music was quite difficult because I would miss it so much. And, and all my friends, everyone who went to Salford, you know, everybody I'd met, uh, musically was doing really really well in their career and um doing all this amazing stuff and I'd be coming home every night marking 60 books and, mm. and then eventually I thought life's too short I'm gonna give it
1: another go." follow your love yeah and that was still based in, in Wigan the still the move to London hadn't happened and
4: uh, yeah I was in Manchester at this point yeah
1: and I know you mentioned obviously the theatre gigs that you had I know that cruise ships have been a big part of your career and I think still are to this day aren't they
4: yeah, absolutely. Cruise ships are amazing. I mean, I'm so grateful to that world. It's an incredible thing. You get to stand on a stage and perform to between 800 and 1500 people. You know, uh, in a theatre mm-hmm. who are listening and uh, do 45 minutes, and that doesn't happen very often. No, sure. Online.
1: Do you actually get and to so- see? The, do you actually get to see the world as well? Do you actually get any time off the boat? So. Or-
4: uh, well, I, when I go on, I, I could basically, I mean, it sounds utterly ridiculous, especially with what's happening now, but I could fly to Brazil. I could uh, stay a night in Rio, get on a boat, sail on it for six days, stop at the Amazon, stopping wherever. And then where it gets to after six days, I fly home. Wow. And then the next week I could fly to Florida, get on a boat, go to the Caribbean, then fly home. And the next week I could fly to Italy and fly... I could go to Iceland, Alaska. So you're never on a boat for longer than seven days.
1: And you know you're going to have a sold-out gig pretty much every
4: night. Ex- exactly. You know you're going to sell sold-out gig. And the thing I love about it is people come into those seats on cruise ships. People have got ideas about cruise ships and the people that go on them. But people come into those cruise ships and they've got all kind of love of music. You know, mm. all, they're not really bothered about music. They love country and western. They love rock and roll. They love whatever. They're not jazz fans. Mm. You know, some of them are. but. It's my job at the end of my 45 minutes to to get them to like the music that I'm doing, you know. So what to, sort of
1: charts do you play on those then? Do you play jazz charts? I play jazz
4: standards. I mean, the, you know, the cabaret kind of versions of them, but I play things like I've Got You Under My Skin and Sway and Wonderful World and mm-hmm. Prime i And, I'll, you know, I'm doing jazz standards, Straight Up and Fly, right? It's wonderful. I'm doing that material,
5: mm-hmm.
4: um, but it's presented and arranged in a cabaret in an entertaining, hopeful, entertaining way. And so I want to leave people going out of the building thinking, um, well, I, I didn't think I liked jazz.
1: Exactly or, that, yeah. You know, I, I have that same passion with the show. You mentioned jazz and people, if they're into it, fine, but if they're not, people just switch off immediately, don't they? And yeah. if you show them, actually, jazz can be a really cool music to listen to. It doesn't yeah. have to be weird or wonderful. It can just be swinging and yeah. great to listen to.
4: Exactly. And that's exactly. what
1: you bring through. So you've yeah. talked about your career as a lead trumpeter. When, yeah. when you're allowed on the stand, that is, being, <laughs> being a young blonde and all. Um, but uh, you're also well known as a singer. So when did that diversification occur in your career?
4: Is that kind of occurred at Salford. I mean, I'd sung from a quite a young age, but I'd been put off from singing by a few things that had happened and I'd kind of lost my confidence. And, um, and then at Salford, I think um, somebody there asked me to put on a little gig for one of the you know, one of these little functions or something. I started singing, and people seemed to like it, so I, I, I carried on and I, I did a few gigs and I uh, set my own big band up and I kind of made myself sing with my own things. You know, I never expected anyone to book me. <laughs> I just like sang with my own things, uh, made a little album, and then once I made the album, Michael Parkinson played a track from it. Now
1: you're just clearly names dropping well clearly
4: (laughs) i I I couldn't believe it that literally when i made the album all i wanted to happen was for michael balkman to play it and it was kind of that was it you know and then he did you know i got had some really lovely friends who played in his band on the tv show yeah and they handed in my cd and uh I met him and he played it and he, you know, brilliant. He was so good. He is so good. For he's
1: been behind so many jazz musicians, hasn't he? And yeah. he's broken a lot of jazz. Cause obviously when you've got the, the following and the notoriety of Parky, yeah. come, the music comes to a lot of attention suddenly.
4: Absolutely. And he's been great. And he, you know, he really does. He really does care. I'm still in touch with him now. And he's a, he's a, he's a really lovely man. So he played that and, um, and I thought, Oh, okay, I'll try and do a bit more with it. So, yeah, and then I, and then the singing just became more and more the, the main thing, really. Sort of
1: interesting. You may have just answered my question there, actually. Do you consider yourself a trumpeter that sings, or a singer that plays trumpet, of the Chet Baker mold? Which way are we going?
4: Yeah, I don't know really. Uh, it's difficult. I mean, I, th- I, I, th- I think I'm a, I'm a, i am i am I just think I'm a musician, really. And you know, some patches I'll go through months and months of just playing the trumpet, you know, and uh, then other times it'll just be singing. So. I'm probably a trumpet player who sings, really. Mm-hmm. Mm. And but at the moment, I've not put this trumpet up for about, you know, a week. So.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be talking about the current uh, state of the, the industry and what your diary's been like in, in a little while's time. But uh, on your recording career, yeah. I mean, you had great success. I know you made it uh, with the track Till There Was You. You got to number eight in the HMV Jazz Charts, which, again, yeah. is a lot of coverage you're getting there. And uh, you recorded at Abbey Road as well, haven't you?
4: Yes, I did. I um, I was very lucky in 2009 to record um, my album. Watch what happens, at Abbey Road. It was an, an incredible day, really. Um, yeah, we recorded a, a big orchestra, string section, big band, and uh, yeah, that was that was remarkable. Um, yes, I'm very very proud of that album. It, it cost an awful lot of money and took an awful lot of time. And um, recorded in one and, day?
1: Did you just say though?
4: We re- yeah, we did record. We had a whole day recorded at Abbey Road, and then I did some small band sessions somewhere else as well and um, but yeah it was it was mostly recording one day yeah
1: and is abbey road as special as we'd all imagine it to be the atmosphere is kind of dripping off the walls and
4: yeah it was it was quite amazing it, it's like one of those dreams you're going kind to of wake up and think did i actually do, did I actually do that and um, my mum and dad came down for the day on the train and we were, <laughs> it was great fun and, did they and go the, on this ever crossing yeah, we yeah. went to the we <laughs> went to George Martin, we sent pictures by the organ, but it was 2009, so there wasn't, I'm quite envious because there wasn't all the cameras and videos now, so I haven't got an awful lot of footage of it, you
1: know. Out of interest, when you've got a session booked there, what happens, the engineers have everything set up for you, you walk in, the musicians turn up, you've got all the, the pads ready, the charts are ready, and the engineers have got all the mics set up as they want, and it's, that side of it is done for you, is that kind of practically how it works at Abbey Road?
4: Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of book the um, studio was booked from kind of at nine a.m. till to twelve at night, and but I wouldn't. You don't get the musicians in there until about eleven, so you have to give them obviously time to set up, so mm. they have a couple of hours of setting up. And then once the musicians come in at eleven, I doubt we'd get a, a note recorded before twelve then, mm. because. Um, It says if they they have any of the sessions booked to start at eleven, then you probably start playing by about half eleven. But there's a lot of time before that with them them setting all gear But that's the thing about Abbey Road; they're they're really on it. You know, some studios you can go and you know you arrive and rolls along. In fact, my first album, Naming No Names, I got all the musicians in the studio and all the engineers could get through the microphones. They could just get Radio Five live like the first (laughs) hours. And I had this big band of musicians that I was
1: paying all this money and they're all just sitting in the cafe. Like, oh what? no, oh no. Um, the kind the of worst nightmare that you don't want to happen.
4: Absolutely, yeah, Absolutely, yeah. I
3: see trees of green Red roses too I see them bloom For me and you And I think to myself What a wonderful world I see skies of blue And clouds of white Bright pleasant days in those dark sacred nights And I think to myself What a wonderful world A rainbow so pretty in the sky I just like the faces of people passing by I see friends shaking hands Saying how do you do They're only saying I love you I hear, babe Wonderful
1: finishing up the first part of our interview with Georgina with her version of What a Wonderful World. And as we were listening to Georgina in the interview there, I was just thinking travelling the world and playing great jazz doesn't sound too bad does it? And uh, had so much fun with Georgina. I'm glad to say we've got more coming from her in a short while's time. Saxophonist Ken Fowler has got a brand new album out. It's a very captivating and intriguing set called Morning Light full of new compositions and from that we're going to listen to The Instigator. the instigator from Ken Fouser's latest album, Morning Light. And as we come towards the halfway point on the show this week, the next track I've got lined up is from the Jessica Lauren Four, a quartet you may have gathered, and they're a London-based jazz band with definite soul influences. They released an album back in 2012, and on the track we're about to listen to, the guest vocalist is Jocelyn Brown.
0: Listen online, on DAB and on smart speakers, straight ahead with London's leading music venue. A 606 club. That I met you to the sun.
1: Jessica Lauren with her band the Jessica Lauren Four and uh, the track we just listened to was I Believe with the vocals of Jocelyn Brown. We've got some lovely music still to come on the show this week so I hope you can keep me company all the way through until the end but I think it's time now that we get back to our interview with this week's guest trumpeter and singer Georgina Jackson and the track we're going to start off this part of the interview with is Love Will Keep Us Together.
3: to okay. Cause I really love you
1: You also rub shoulders with some of the, the big names. I mean, I know Seal. You've you've played with, and and some of the Sinatra family as well. Frank's uh, Junior. Yeah,
4: you, Frank do, you, you
1: look you look almost surprised when I tell you that these are the people that you've played with. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, oh my goodness, I have, yeah. Yes, you've been, you've been quite successful, you know.
4: It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't feel like it. All I've done is wash up for the past couple months.
1: So, um, also, I know that you do some workshops and stuff, so presumably you actually enjoy educating and giving back oh, to you.
4: Yeah, I do. I absolutely love that, and I really want to do more of that. It really – with Ronnie Scott, they do a big band in a day project.
1: Yes, my daughter did it many years ago.
4: Oh, did you? She did it with Pete.
1: It? No, it was with Pete. He was oh, running.
4: I do with Pete sometimes, there's, there's two of us. It's me and um, Pete do it together, or James Pearson does it, or Mark um, Mark Armstrong does it. Uh, yeah, it's brilliant, it's such a great thing. And, you
1: start upstairs, don't you? Practice upstairs, yeah. then you come down into the club just before doors open and yeah. family and friends are in.
4: Yeah, absolutely, and the best thing for me is when you see oh, everyone come in and the parents and it's 12 o'clock and everyone's sitting there and no one's saying anything, no one's talking to anyone, everyone's so quiet. And then before you they start playing, for everyone's made best friends and all taking pictures yeah. and all the everyone's getting on. It's so noisy. And it's the, the difference, you know. Um yeah, and it's just really and you see people just coming out of the comfort zone mm. and now, and playing things that they might not play before, so I really love doing that side of things. I'd like to do much, much many more workshops and things like that. And you um, do
1: private tutorials as well. Can people get in touch with you and book you some private can. lessons?
4: Yeah, yeah. People want private lessons out of trumpet or singing or just general kind of things about like putting a show together and cabaret, anything like that. I'm really up for that, and and, and obviously going into schools, but yeah, private lessons. So yeah, A good point
1: we- to mention website GeorginaJackson.net. Yes. Yeah. You can get in touch with Georgina there and book singing and trumpet lessons and find out more about her as well. (laughs) So we've mentioned um, the place that you played. Obviously, I know that you're a regular down at the 606, normally three, four times a year you're at the 6. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. It's (laughs) such an intimate venue down there, isn't it?
4: Yeah, it's so nice down there. All the staff are lovely. And the first time you... Get asked to play in, in a place like 606, six. it's absolutely terrifying. You know, I mean, I just thought I'd go down and I'd start playing, and mm. Steve goes, Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> <Get
5: asked>.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's terrifying. But uh, he didn't, and the Staff are so friendly and so lovely. And the people that get down there, I mean, the, the audience, you know, they sit there in in silence. Listening to you know an hour of your music and uh, it's just it's wonderful. It's a lovely atmosphere. The food's amazing, and um, everybody says that.
1: I'm sure most of you guys take gigs there just to get dessert. But so I think the difference, you touched on it there, with the people that go to The Six, they tend to be music lovers, not just going because of the tourist trap or whatever. It's actually because they're really into – I know it's not purely jazz, predominantly there's a lot of jazz at the club – but they're really into their music, so they will just sit there. And and again, I understand what you say about terrifying, because I've spoken to some musicians. Those front seats are literally within touching distance of you, aren't they?
4: Absolutely. If you want to get intimate and up close and see what happens in a band and see the interaction – and see everything. Then you you're sitting there, and you've got you've got like your, a little documentary going as yeah. well. Because you can see the interaction of everybody. You can see people. You know, you can see everything that goes on, and uh, and a lot goes on. There's a lot to watch in jazz as well as, as as listen to. So it's always good to see it live because you know people, you know, who go and see live jazz, they're the only people that are ever going to see that performance. You know, it's never going to be repeated again. Mm-hmm. Everything that happens there is 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 is, is a one one-off. take. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly that. I remember the very first time many, many years ago I went there. I just couldn't believe how close you could be to the musicians. (laughs) So I can feel for you.
4: Exactly. I'm quite afraid to play my trumpet because obviously trumpet's quite loud. (laughs) 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 Face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but again you said you said about it on the stand that's what i love about live jazz and it's ruined me to any other kind of live music it's the interaction and the solos that go on the improv to watch that be created in front of you and i know you guys you, you they'll know the charts you're probably going to call but after that mm. that's it pretty much
4: it is and things can go right and things can go wrong and things can stop and things can go terribly wrong and you can look at the faces of sheer panic when something goes wrong but then eventually you know how to get it have to make it right again, you know, and that's the exciting thing about playing dead, you just don't know in which direction it's going to go. It's,
1: yeah, and there's another place that we vaguely have in common, Dorks Music. You do tutorials oh, for them as well. Yes, I've spent my money down there on saxes for my daughter, so yes, oh, brilliant. they've had my pound notes. We've been in their blow rooms down there going through oh. Selma after Selma, and <laughs> yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Oh no, they're great down there. Really so, you've got love some them.
1: lovely videos that you do with them, haven't you?
4: well sam lovely sam asked me to do i did some trumpet testing ones last year and uh, i'm not the most technically minded of a uh, of, uh, instrumentalist you know a lot of people kind of know exactly the details about everything but i just kind of pick them up and play them and i don't really know much about it but luckily sam is there and he just said well just tell me what you feel as a musician tell them what you feel it. you don't need to know anything mm. and I think people get get scared when they go buying instruments that they have to know all the details and I kind of want to just to say to people pick it up and if it feels good for you you know then it then it's good you know it doesn't have to be a certain a certain brand a certain this that and the other just you you try and play it and if you enjoy it but so I, I and the videos I'd like to make in the tutorials um I kind of want to you know say to people that it's hard you know to learn but it is hard and you will come across issues and problems. And um, here are a couple of things that I do. It's not gospel. Find your own way, but there's some suggestions, you know. So. Um,
1: are there actually any sort of rosetta stones amongst the trumpet? world? I mentioned Selma's down in Sachs World. They're often held up as these wonderful, wonderful horns. With, with trumpets, are there certain makes that are, have just got this shroud of mystery? They are the, the golden ones to have.
4: Um, It's kind of, I mean, saxophones are interesting because they can be quite old, you know, people like buying old old saxophones, where the trumpets really, it's all about the new ones. Oh, really? Yeah, it's quite rare that, I mean, they'll be the odd kind of Martin Kavidi trumpet or something that Miles Davis played, a type that he played, or they'll be the odd kind of one, but you'll find that most professional musicians are playing... Uh, new trumpets, you know, the playing new backs or new Yamahas or new Smith Watkins. Yeah. Um, it, it's mostly that whereas the saxophone players we play like fifty year real That's right. old Yeah, and that'll be the thing. But yeah, it's mostly kind of Yamahas, really.
1: And your mouthpiece, how individual is that to you? Presumably that takes a bit of schooling and finding the right setup for you, I take it, does it?
4: Yeah, I mean I i was um taught by an American trumpet player called Bobby shoe who's um legendary amongst mm. trumpet players brass players um and uh he designed a range of trumpets and mouthpieces and he advised me the mouthpiece that I should be playing on when I was 16 and I've uh, I'm not from it since.
1: <laughs> are they nickel or silver I don't
4: know I've no idea <laughs> not, I don't no, I have no idea what they're made of but, they're
1: heavy. so yeah because I know often with horns that mouthpiece is well it's your connection to the instrument isn't it, yeah, so yeah, it yeah. that's where it, all the sound really comes from or starts yeah. from so if we look at lockdown um mm-hmm. how many gigs do you think you lost then were you fully booked through to the end were you on cruise ships i mean obviously yeah. a musician's on cruise ships it couldn't be much worse really could it throwing having the state agent business at the same time and you pretty much ticked all the boxes
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, i was on one of the last cruises to arrive back to england um, i was still halfway across the mediterranean the atlantic i think it was when you were all in lockdown i only hmm. arrived back home on the 12th of april
1: oh so all the news broke while you were actually on a boat so that must be quite concerning and scary wondering if you were going to get back or where you're going to be and
4: yeah it was very scary we left australia and i was i was contracted to fly to australia do seven days uh get off in sri lanka spend three days in sri lanka get another boat, and then sail to Bali and then come back and then five days at home and somewhere else. And and in the end, uh, the ship left Australia and didn't stop anywhere but Southampton.
1: Um, (laughs) Oh, Of course, you literally had to go point to point.
4: Yeah, yeah. So we had to get fuel because we couldn't make it around the world. So uh, the only place to get fuel was South Africa. And they decided that they would let us in to get fuel and food.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: The day before we were about to dock there, they decided that they weren't going to let us in to get fuel and food, and that we all had to be tested for the virus. So we spent five days going up and down the coast of South Africa while they had decided to let us in. So that was really scary.
1: I bet it was. I bet it was. And was the predominant amount of your gigs this year on the cruise ships?
4: It, well, the thing is with the cruise ships that they book so far in advance. Mm. This is this is one of the Benefits. benefits
1: sure oh, you know you've got work yeah. don't you? yeah yeah
4: exactly so like i'll start the year with kind of you know 20-25 cruises in the book which mm-hmm. is uh, you know 20-30 weeks of work you know it's quite a lot and then i try and, and um and and fit uh the jazz gigs around it which kind of and other gigs around it you know so that's the way it's been working in, in, in recent years really um but, yeah, there was, there was quite a lot of cruises to the end of the year. I did have a lovely trumpet festival. I was meant to go into Armenia doing another trumpet festival. I had lots of gigs with the Ronnie Scott's big band doing festivals. Um, yeah, there was a lot of nice work
1: that's gone. Gone, yeah. And, well, oh. I'm just going to talk about dates. I was, when I was looking at your website, which you mentioned, GeorginaJackson.net, yeah. you've actually got some dates on there. You've actually got some gig dates on there.
4: Oh, that must be for last year.
1: Okay, because I was going to, you're the first musician I've interviewed on this series saying you've actually got some gig dates in. So, with the cruise ships, have they started to talk to you at all yet? Are they looking when they think they might be getting back together?
4: Yeah, uh, I mean, I've had, um, I know there's going to be nothing before October 15th. I know that. Um, but I have got some cruises in after that and they haven't been cancelled as yet.
1: So, hopefully, uh, there's a sign of normality coming back then.
4: Yeah, and I've got some bookings for next year for the cruises as well. So, um, so <laughs> that's good. Um, but I don't know about gigs. I mean, it, who knows, but I, I know this, it's, it's looking up. It's looking up, isn't it? We just need a vaccine, don't we? We, we do,
1: yeah. And everyone just needs to be a little bit cautious for a little bit longer and be sensible. And hopefully if more people can do that, we will get out of this sooner rather than later. So have you used the enforced time at home creatively at all? Have you managed to practice regularly or?
4: I'll tell you what we have done. Uh, I was really behind with the whole um, home recording business and home video making business. I didn't know anything about that. so. We've invested in um, – I live with Mike Feltham, trombone players. so we've invested in, in the, you know, the recording equipment that mm-hmm. you know, you've got there, the microphone and Absolutely. the interface. Absolutely. Yep, yeah. yep. So, and, and it Just one interact-
1: interface? I have several. Just one? How can <laughs> you possibly get right with one? <laughs> no, do That was really <laughs> no, 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 but obviously in a radio studio such as mine, it's different to what you need. Yeah. But you, so you're probably using Pro Tools or Logic or something. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah. So, so, you've, you got, need
1: all so you've got oh, all this at home now. You can record merrily. And do session work. You can send off your sessions.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So doing some – and most of the work people are doing at the moment is free work mm. friends. You know, mm. people are getting projects together. And so um, just getting my head around doing the home recording. I've got a green screen so I can make some videos. So I think we're just trying to brush up on um, on skills that we haven't had before. So I'm seeing is it a time to do that, really?
1: Yeah, I mean, although we've mentioned, obviously, your passion to get back to the cruise ships and to live gigs, I think – Without exception, everyone has now learnt new skills. It will make their trade as being a musician that much more accessible. So, any spare time you've got, you can suddenly create a video. You can keep interest going.
4: Yeah, yeah. and also
1: I- for your work as a teacher, of course, it's become easier now. If you've got a good setup at home,
4: yeah, yeah, I need to explore that more and and get onto that as um trying to trying to do some work through through online as a teacher, that would be a really good thing to do. But, yeah, I mean, and also a lot of the time it's spent, you know, we do do stuff creatively, but then a lot of the time it's spent in utter panic wondering <laughs> how we're going to pay the mortgage and when the work's going to come back. So of course. we can't pay the picture that, you know, we're all sitting here composing Suite of music <laughs> because a lot of times I mean, we've had musicians uh, Zoom quizzes every week and things like that and we all kind of chat and brass layers and, you know, we're in contact a lot and a lot of people are very worried, you know, oh, very worried.
1: Absolutely. I mean, so, there's literally no money at all for musicians at the moment, is there? As you say, most of the gigs that we see online are for free, clearly. I know the odd person yeah. has got Patreon pages if donations are being made, but basically you're, you're living off nothing at the moment.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, the the grants were good, but not everybody got them. And not everybody got them for quite bizarre reasons. Mm. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's difficult. It makes you look back six months ago and think what you were moaning about then wasn't really anything to be moaning about, you know.
1: Well, at least you said there is some light at the end of the tunnel, that cruise ships are beginning to get back in touch with you. And yes. uh, you've got some gigs in now and looking into next year. I know it's a long way away. I know yeah. the here and now is critically important, but at least there is some sort of future coming back to life. Now, whereas back in the early days of March and April, there was just a nothingness, was there? Was so, I
4: suppose it gives you a bit of time to reassess what you want to do and the kind of music you want to do and all that kind of thing. So it's probably been good for a lot of people, really. But, um, yeah, I think there is more light in the channel, isn't
1: there? Absolutely. Without a shadow of yeah. doubt, there is. So, yeah. And do you get much practice? And I know you said you've got the studio at home now. Are you managing to practice much?
4: Yeah, yeah, I was just doing a few things today for a brass band actually, and 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 before all this lockdown, I had a big band. I had a couple of big band gigs actually at the six o six, and I was, I wanted to be, you know, set me on big band up again and play the music that I wanted to play, and so I was really passionate about that, and uh, I really hope I can get to do that next year because I think there's a, a real um space for a good old-fashioned swinging band. I mean, I love the music of the, like, the 60s, the big band is in the 60s, and I want to stand in front of a swinging big band and sing those numbers and play the trumpet and I have a really happy kind of swinging uh, thing, you know. I just love yeah, we
1: share a passion. And funnily enough, this very yeah. this very afternoon, I just had a book arrive about the, the story of Ray Willocks, one of the Heath sax men. Ray well, Yes, yeah. because. Well,
4: because a the book. Oh. Yeah, he, his
1: son's written it because Roy was on the show about four or yeah. five years ago and he passed away last yeah. November. Yeah. And his son's just written a book.
4: Is it
1: the son who's the piano player? No. The son who's a graphic designer and lives in Australia, actually, Andrew oh. by name. And because so I was, just, I was just reading about. Roy before well, I was waiting to talk to you I was reading about Roy Willicks and uh, it was lovely talking to Roy and that's when I mentioned early on in the, in the show when we talked about your gigs having you know 300 odd gigs booked through the year on cruise ships yeah. Roy was so busy back in the 50s I mean a musician was literally 12-15 hours a day studio to studio BBC ITV you name it. He was recording everywhere. I remember when I did interview him that he just went over to his, cause I interviewed him at his house and uh, he went over to cover and got out a, a little book just with all the gigs for one day, handwritten of two <laughs> Ronnie's. Um, uh, Are you being served? He was doing all of these BBC shows.
4: Oh, oh he's brilliant. He was, I so, was so lovely Roy. And I just remember, cause I did some gigs with him, you know, a couple of years ago and I used to drive him to gigs and things. And, uh, he was just saying how lucky he was you know he just said I can't believe my life and how lucky I am to have done all that stuff such uh, a
1: gentleman such a lovely gentleman yeah, yeah,
4: yeah a real example to everyone and he was he was always really sad for, um, you know, was trying to do it now because he realised what hard work it was. To no, because he covered. was lucky
1: enough to make a living, a good living for himself, because yeah. musicians were paid fairly back then, weren't they? It's- they were absolutely
4: <laughs> paid fairly.
1: Yeah. It wasn't a, 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 something of a swear word to say, what's my gig fee? You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, no, exactly. they were the halcyon days for sure. Georgina, you have been so entertaining. Thank you so much for talking with oh, us on yeah. the show this week. Pretty and uh, we're looking forward to listening to some of your music through the show as well. Mm-hmm. And go over to Georgina. Jackson.net. take a look at her website and looks for some gigs and if you've got that like, big band down at the 6 I will be yeah, there yeah
4: I a YouTube channel as well there's some videos you'll see some of my um, my little videos I do on the YouTube channel as well so.
1: wonderful we should look at those as well and I hope to meet you down at the 6 and many oh, other venues in front yeah. of the big band singing and blowing oh
4: I'd love
1: to can't see wait you. for it can't wait for it Georgina many thanks indeed
4: bye bye thank bye. you bye. cheers are the stars
3: are the night. I don't know if it's cloudy or bright. Cause I only have eyes for you. The moon But I can't see a thing in the sky Cause I only have
5: eyes For
3: But they all
1: Georgina Jackson. Uh, We finished the interview off with, of course, the track I Only Have Eyes For You. Had so much fun interviewing Georgina, I can't wait for her and her big band to get back down to the six. And I will be there, Georgina. And don't forget, pop over and take a look at Georgina's website. Loads of information there and you can pick up the CDs as well. So we've got more music to come now and the next track we've got lined up is from our guest of next week, actually. Chris Standring and I had a chat a couple of days ago. The interview will be coming up next week for you. And he's got a brand new album out called Real Life and the track we've uh, got lined up to play for you this week on Straight Ahead is Out of the Blue. 606 Gift Vouchers, a unique present for those who love the good things in life. from the brand new album from Chris Standring. It's called Real Life. It's available now to download and stream and you can hear Chris telling us all about that album next week here on Straight Ahead. Next I've got a track from Tubby Hayes, one of my favourite Sax saxmen. He was immensely popular in the States in the 60s and he went over to Boston in 1964 and laid out an album simply now called Boston 64, here with the Ray Santisi trio we've got Sometimes Ago. some times ago. As you may have heard, we had been hoping to open the club doors again this weekend, but unfortunately, due to government guidelines, we've had to put that back just a little while. So tentatively now, the date is the 20th of August. But uh, while I wait for the doors to open at the club, don't forget you can still join us virtually with our live streaming gigs and uh, all of the dates and artists are announced week by week. If you go over to the website 606club.co.uk, you can sign up to a newsletter as well so you can uh, make sure you never miss one of the live streaming gigs from the club. I've got something brand new now from Butcher Brown, simply called Tidal Wave.
6: Dooby 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 dooby
5: dooby
6: dooby 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 be be She we be do do you do sharp be do do and there's a we. Tell me farewell and goodbye, lullaby of Birdland. Whisper low, kiss me sweet, and we'll go flying high in Birdland, high in the sky up above, all because we're in love. Ch-
1: So we went straight out of the brand new single from Butcher Brown called Tidal Wave into the timeless and beautiful Sarah Vaughan, along with Clifford Brown and Lullaby of Birdland. And I'm afraid we're out of time for this week. We'll be back together next week, don't forget, with our guest Chris Standring. Many thanks indeed to Georgina Jackson. Don't forget to check out Georgina's website, georginajackson.net, and get all the information and updated news about her there. As I said, we will be back at the same time next week for more jazz along with the 606 Club. But playing us out this week, as we're promised some beautiful weather towards the end of the week, George Benson, here comes the sun.
2: darling,
0: it's been a long, cold, lonely winter. Little darling, it seems a year since you Here comes the sun Little darling That's slowly melting, little darling. It seems like years since it's been clear. Here
6: comes the sun, little darling. Here comes the
0: sun, I say.
5: So right.